The bolt is loaded. The world 100 meter final. They get away first time. Tyson Gay right alongside Usain Bolt, but here he goes, streaking away already. It's Bolt all the way. He's looking round at Gay. Watch the clock. It's gold for Bolt. And again, he's done it again. A new world record for Usain Bolt. They say lightning doesn't strike twice. Can you believe it? He is flying. Wow, wow. Archie, this man never fails to entertain. He's still standing 12 years later with a world record of 9.58 for the 100 metres. It's, it's actually crazy because like all the other world records seem to be broken year on year in all sports, whether it's swimming, athletics. But this man ran 9.58 100 metres in 2009 and ran the 200 metres in 1919 seconds in the same year. And both records are still standing even though people would think the competition's got more competitive, the better training methods and everything. But I think we didn't appreciate at the time just how talented Usain Bolt was and how blessed and, we were to have him. And nine gold medals being down, reduced to eight, still very impressive. What, what do you think of him being reduced down to eight? Yeah, no, obviously it was gusting that he lost his um, ninth gold medal due to the relay because one of our... Uh, one of the four squad members got done for cheating, um, which is a shame in this sport of athletics, like it is in cycling and sadly other sports. But I think Usain Bolt was the one phenomenal athlete who he rarely got drug claims uh, against him. And um, so full credit to the man. He's complete, natural, just freak, basically, how good he was. But yeah, shame he got a gold medal taken away from him. But I think, I think Rory, eight gold medals is still pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, you, would, you wouldn't be unhappy, would you? So, Archie, you, you count yourself as a bit of a runner, I hear. I, I used to run a little bit. You know, now I've got into the Strava game like everyone else seems to have done. So, just out of interest, in a time of 9.58, how far down the 100 metres track would you be? <laughs> so how far behind do you think Bolt would you be? Okay, I'm going I'm I'm to I'm I'm give you a flashback to... When I was in my prime, even though I should be in my prime years now, but sadly, um, my prime years for the 100 metres were back when I was about 16. And but also, it... you're a bit more streamlined today. I see you're sporting a very fine haircut. Well, sadly, the listeners won't be able to see the haircut, but yes, I've, I'm, I'm slightly, slightly shorter haircut than normal uh, for, for the sole purpose of running reasons and donating to charity, of course. But yeah, back to your question. Um, I'll just, I'd, I would have been... It would have, I would have been a second slow up, so which equates to about ten meters behind him as he was running that. So, and so wait, what, what is your PB? My PB is ten point six seconds. Um, back in the day, so you, would have been, you would have been more than uh, more than a second behind him. Yeah, a second. One second, one second or two minutes. I mean, just we're just trying to get it clear. Clear and 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 in a hundred meters. It's all about the detail, isn't it? Because the, the slight milliseconds, massive. Um, okay. So yeah, so that, so that was back in the day. But sadly, sadly, I'm a, more of a casual straw of athlete, uh, like everyone else. So hung up your spikes, so to speak. Hung up my spikes, exactly. But uh, yeah, fair play to Usain Bolt, and um, the sport of athletics will um, will never be the yeah, same. And same. hopefully, there'll be um, an up and coming new superstar to fill his boots. <laughs> And for our first guest, we got an Exeter Chief and England International, Jack Maunder, who has made 67 appearances for Exeter, scoring six tries, and recently, due to his good performance in the Premiership, got called up for the training squad for the recent Six Nations. So welcome, Jack. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Good to have you on. Hey, Arch. Thanks for having me on, mate. I really appreciate you. I love your podcast and I love your website. 
No, thanks very much. Yeah, it would be good to get a little insight into, you know, your story as a rugby player and also what you've been up to the last couple of weeks since lockdown's gone across the country. So, yeah, if you'd like, just kind of let the listeners know about what you've been up to these last couple of weeks. Are you training? Are you working? Um, how are you keeping yourself busy? Uh, yeah, it's all been pretty weird, hasn't it? Probably for for um, everyone up the country. Um, kind of as a rugby player, it's been quite strange because it's pretty much when the getting towards the business end of the season and it's and this is kind of when it all starts to get you know trophies start to get decided and stuff like that so it should sort of be a big moment for us uh within the year but yeah now we've we had a week off when the premiership cup final was meant to be and since then we haven't we've been away from training they chiefs were good enough to give us some weights uh and spare kit that they had at the club just so that we could keep our weights going. So pretty much you, they, we have a WhatsApp group and you chuck ideas on of what training, what we should be eating, try and f- stop drinking through the week and pretending this is one massive long holiday. So that's probably <laughs> been the hardest bit. But yeah, no, I've just been running and gymming in the morning and then actually been helping out the old man um, who's a butcher in, in Exeter and doing delivery for him. So yeah, just been helping him out. It's been really good fun. Nice, mate. So, yeah, so you've been keeping yourself busy, so you're not you're not bored at all. Um, you mentioned how it was kind of ramping up to like the business end of the season for the Chiefs. Um, obviously, you were top of the EV Premiership with the home court final lined up against the Saints in the Heineken, Heineken yeah. Champions Cup. How unfortunate is it that these competitions look like they may not be able to be finalised? <laughs> and what are, like, what are your hopes for the competitions? Because you would surely have hoped to have finish the season with both trophies it's a strange one because um you know like completely self uh selfishly it'd be great if we could get these big games going but premiership and i think you'll agree but sort of all sports a bit of a sideshow at the moment so it's a bit yeah. it's a bit of a weird one uh and it's it's one of them that i think it's just going to be that way just going to be if we do and the premiership does start again which I do believe it will. I do think it will start. Um, okay, yeah. I think that there's, I do think there's a, a chance that we will get the season back up and running, which obviously would be great for for us because, like you said, we're in a great position. Uh, it'd be very weird when we get back. It's sort of starting starting from scratch again because you don't know how boys will come back. You don't know how quickly we'll start playing again. And like you said, with Europe, it's because it's not just England clubs. It's sort of it's everyone it's French clubs there's an Irish club in there a couple of English clubs um, so trying to organise that might be a bit more difficult than getting the Prem up and running it's yes. just quite interesting times but it's sort of it's not really in any of our control so it's it'll be a blessing to get it all back up and running but it's probably not the main the main thing going on at the moment yeah not at all but let's, let's fingers crossed we'll be able to if even if it's just one of the competitions hopefully try and get one completed yeah by yeah the season. one would be good wouldn't it yeah um so hopefully your your hard work in the first half of the season gets rewarded and let's move on to a bit of um you personally so you've recently signed a contract extension with the chiefs so how are you how, how are you feeling about the contract extension you must be you must be delighted yeah, it's off the bits, mate. The contract scenario is a sort of side of rugby that uh, you kind of have to get used to a little bit. It's not really something that you think about when you grow up and you, you want to play rugby and you want to play for Exeter and you kind of forget all these things are, are going to be there and not so much of a distraction, but it's kind of nagging in the back of your mind that you you know I want to be want to be a Chiefs. Uh, I've been a Chiefs boy for 
for as long as I can remember now. So um, obviously with family ties, so to have that sorted and to have that sort of, you know, all done and my brother's there and everyone family's still around. So, you know, it was great and it was something great to get done. Uh, it was nice to get done before this happened because I'd be really nervous now. So, um, yeah, great news. And you mentioned how you kind of got family ties. So w- would you plan to stay at the Chiefs for like, the, like throughout your career or do you kind of have aspirations to maybe try you know, going abroad or trying different experiences, maybe different clubs in the UK? It's a diff- difficult question. It's uh, obviously I want to play for Exeter is obviously the dream. And like I've said, a local club being, being for ages and it would be great to stay and be successful with, with, with Exeter. So I think that's probably to answer your question. Yes. I'd yeah. love to stay at Exeter for the rest of the career. And I'd love to have a, a hand in making, you know, Chiefs, uh, successful over the next, you know, the years that I'm playing here. Well, you know, whether or not I'm in their plans, uh, yet to be yet to be seen. Uh, my brother might kick me out at some point, which might be really embarrassing. Um, so yeah, just it, yeah, it's yeah, hundred percent. I think hundred percent would be probably my answer. Uh, what will happen when I'm a bit older um, will probably be a bit more family dominated uh, and it'd be good to try some things I think when you're a bit older it's good to uh, get those life experiences again 100% for sure yeah well as you said there well there's no no reason to leave when you guys are top of the premiership and I'm sure I'm sure you have um, <laughs> aspirations as well because obviously you were, you were you were capped capped in 2017 by England and obviously you've been called up to the training squad um, in the most recent Six Nations so what are your what are your aspirations for England in the next couple of years? The call-up was, I was quite surprised. Um, you kind of, you get a call from Eddie um, and he gives you a chat and he says that he's thinking about you, but I, I saw, I saw a fall, I took it literally at that, that he was, he just wanted to catch up and see how I was getting on and stuff. So I was very surprised uh, to get the call and uh, it does give you a bit of, bit of hope and a bit of, you know, that kind of desire to push on and to get into the, the net squad and being, being what, what, in his future plans. Um, but with, with Eddie, you're never really quite sure and you're probably never really, you're never really stuck. <laughs> yeah. You're never really in his squad 100%. So it's going to be, a, it's going to be a challenging, but I've always said it's a weird one because you, you always think about, um, England and stuff like that but you've got to be playing for Exeter first consistently and well and you need to be starting for them week in week out so it's something to think about England is I need to think about getting that you know a consistent spot in Exeter which is tough because we've got a hell of a nines yeah great yeah Um, strong competition isn't there yeah it's like some of the 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 like the, this just it's the the you know the academy nines we've obviously had Nick this week uh yeah uh, in the last few years and we've also got Sam coming in but like the, the academy nines and the ones that come through like me Stewie Sammy um Snowy we've got Tom Carnes coming in as well like this it's just like a conveyor belt mate and it's quite stressful because they're all just coming up and also young and fast and like, make me feel old and I'm only 23 <laughs> yeah so. exactly but, but very complimentary to you how Club-wise, you've you know, yeah, just had a contract extension, and international-wise, you called up to the training squad, and they didn't manage to get onto the pitch in the Six Nations. But obviously, uh, both coaches on a club and international level are thinking of you. So, so fingers crossed for the future, mate. And um, I'm sure if Eddie's kind of reaching out crossed, to you, right. yeah, it's good news that he's going <laughs> to. <Yeah. laughs> 
Oh yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed, mate. And um, so you, you briefly mentioned Sam, who is obviously your younger brother, who also plays the Chiefs scrum yeah. half. He's played England under twenties recently. Yeah. How how do you guys kind of? Yeah. How do you guys get on in terms of, from a, like a personal level, competitive level? Is there an element of that sibling rivalry at all when you guys are training? Very mild. Yeah, I wouldn't say like this is genuinely tough. Like, there's not, there's not much there. Like we're very, very <laughs> yeah. close and we're very, yeah. very good mates. Yeah. Um, so it's more like, like when we're past, like if we do passing training together, obviously I want to beat him, and obviously he wants to beat me. Um, and it's like, but there's no, you know, there's no like getting what, like, there's no like cheating each other out of something or like, I'd never do anything to means that he doesn't progress and anything like that. It's very much that I want, I want Sammy to be playing for England. I want him to be the best player he possibly can be. And I think if you ask Sammy, he would say exactly the same thing. So, you know, I love Sammy to bits. He's, he's very, like, we're, you know, best mates and we're very lucky that we're both doing something that we love and enjoy and at, at Exeter so yeah, I think we both look it. at it that we're both very lucky and um, and if we, we just try and help out help out as much as we can um, which do is you, really nice do you put down do you put any of your success down to the fact that you do have a scrum half brother so you're able to pass in the garden over the, over the years to, <laughs> yeah. the year? I mean I've asked, I mean, asked this loads <laughs> really <laughs> well <Probably>. sorry <laughs> Probably, no, 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 because like, I yeah. never, I like never had thought about it. Like I've only been asked it recently. I don't, I don't know. I reckon probably. Um, it helps that dad was obviously a scrummer. So you know, like when we were growing up and stuff, that he he would always make us part. You know, he always got us passing. He always got us kicking, kicking off both feet, passing off both hands, and sort of when he watched, he always used to watch us as a scrummer and. After games and stuff, you talk us through it. I, I, I would, you, I'd probably say, you know, you have to say yes, probably because yeah. um, it's a very, it's a very skill specific position. Um, mm. It's one of those positions on a rugby pitch where, you know, skills probably over. Um, you kind of rely on your skills more than sort of maybe physical abilities and stuff like that. So. Having probably Sam, who was always he's always been a better passer, he's always been a better kicker than me, has probably has helped me um, when we were back at school and probably now at Chiefs as well. It's perfect now because well, now being in lockdown, um, obviously now I'm with him and when we go and do training and stuff like that, we both like tinker with each other's processes and skills and stuff like that and we both have an, an opinion on what the other person should be working on and stuff so that, that's it's definitely helped and it definitely will continue to help I hope. yeah it's great having a little training partner in quarantine and abiding by all the rules eh so 100% as well and you so your, your dad yeah, your dad was scrum half so also you got your brother to help training with yeah. your dad dad surely is a bit of a, a coach mentor throughout the years as well I think he knew from a very early age me and Sam weren't going to be very quick. <laughs> and I think he realised from a very early age that we had, yeah. we had no fast twitch muscles in our body. So he used to get us he used to get us running and he used to make sure that we were like really fit uh, and he used to make sure that we were like very good good talkers on a pitch. Like we passing was good, our fitness was really good. I think because he knew that we were short, fat and hairy. So I think he realised that we were, we needed to sort of get, get a move on fitness wise. Those skills uh, you can manage yourself. Otherwise we weren't going to go anywhere. <laughs> he was good mate. He, he helped out a lot. Probably made us realise that physically we weren't gifted at all. 
which is probably the most important message that we've had growing up. Okay, nice. And yeah, so Sam, he's he's ex university at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, mate. Second uh, year doing geography. Lovely. So yeah, and you obviously yourself, you graduated from Exeter uh, last year. I want to cast your mind back to when you were at Exeter. Like, how did you find that Good balance times. of Good uh... times, <laughs> great times? <laughs> great times. Uh, <laughs> how, did, yeah, how did you find the balance of like trying to train how to, with all the training as being a professional rugby player, but also you know keeping up a very a very tricky degree. <laughs> It was interesting. I pretty pretty much went like through three different stages in my my freshman year. Um, was like awesome and like yeah. I, like I wasn't I wasn't in I wasn't in halls, but I was I was lucky to meet some really good boys. And Charlie Morgan was in my my business set, and he introduced me to everyone. Um, and pretty much the group that I've become like best friends with. Uh, so I was really lucky with that. Uh, and I was sort of playing, made my debut for Exeter, and I was playing for Exeter. Um, I was playing lots, and you know, um, I'd play for Exeter, and then I'd come back and we'd go out for beers with the uni boys, and it was just, it was just really good fun. It didn't matter what night it was. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We all went out and we had a really good time. I managed to go to a whole load of uni events and stuff like that. So that sort of that first year was just so much fun mate it's just like everything i'd ever really wanted it was i was playing rugby i was training hard um we luckily that we've been quite successful external i was managing to get a bit of game time and then after rugby i could just switch off and i could go to lectures didn't really know anyone but i had a good group of mates uh, and i was enjoying meeting loads of different people uh, and it was just really fun and then second year uh, early second year was so second year wasn't great. I, I'd, so I'd come back from the Argentina tour. I wasn't, I wasn't ready um, for pretty much. I wasn't ready for like back-to-back seasons of rugby. I'm, physically, I was, I wasn't strong enough. Like key areas of my body, I just wasn't really ready. So I just, I picked up loads of little niggles of injuries, uh, and then I had an operation just before Christmas, after, just after Christmas, which meant that I was doing, re- I was doing like hard, intense rehab pretty much for most of that year. Played a little bit of rugby, but not much. It must um, be very frustrating having just, doing just, just made rehab. your debut for England. And then you thought yeah. you kind of get, getting yeah. there and then suddenly the injury just kind of set back. So you weren't able, you weren't available for selection for the next, the next very yeah. available game. So yeah, that must be very frustrating. Um, so yeah, sorry, yeah, that was second yeah. year, not very, not great at all. Yeah, so no, nah, second year was not great. Trying to mix rehab with uh, uni. Um, you know, it was like early start, like five thirty starts to get my uni work done because I had to be in a rehab to eight, and then I was missing loads of. You know, you, when you're in rehab, it's not people think rehab you can just go out and chill and you can drink and stuff. You know, you're on proper lockdown. Um, when I wasn't at Chiefs, so I was I was by my desk catching up on uni lectures online. I wasn't seeing any of my mates. So that was pretty miserable. And then third year was like just a mixture of both. It was because, well, you know what third year is like. It's st- work-wise, it was really stressful. But I was playing lots of rugby. So it was like I was having to juggle both of it. And then I think it all just, it, it was all right. And it was good fun. I had a really good, sorry, I had a really good business group with like Matt DeCock, George Fitzgerald and Charlie Morgan. And we kind of, they they helped me out loads. Um, and Lottie Godburn, people like that. And they, because they kind of knew what I had on the other side, if I missed the meeting or if I was a little bit late with work, they weren't 
jumping on my back and they weren't being like, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And they were helping the load a little bit. So like, it is manageable and it was tough. When we get to exams, like exams suck, don't they? Yeah. And, like we had so many exams and trying to revise and do the rugby side of it was pretty stressful. Like, it was stressful. And there were some long old days and there were some long old weeks to be honest, but um, it was all worth it in the end. I absolutely loved uni, mate. I'll go back, I'll go back right now. <laughs> so, so you're saying how you, you basically seem to have a spare second. Well. And the, <laughs> I went straight away, man, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, it, it seems like you're obviously pretty hectic and you somehow managed to um, to find yourself a lovely girlfriend in, uh, in Lib. How did she cope with you? With you trying to train get a degree and also you know see her every so often to have a social life how is she how is she, how um, she is a professional rugby yeah. player's girlfriend uh, <laughs> yeah, don't call her a wag mate she doesn't like that um <laughs> no nah, she was she, she was she was gold to fact like at the start after our very first date i had um torn all the ligaments in my outside of my ankle so i rocked up to her house on crutches and a boot apologizing because i couldn't actually take her to the place that we wanted to go so we had to like hobble walk to a restaurant um that i uh, managed to book so i think from the very start she probably had the alarm bells ringing in her head <laughs> this surely can't be <laughs> this can't be it yeah um and then um, so yeah but it took her a year to figure out uh what position i played which i found quite funny um she literally one one day she was we were sat down watching a get i think we were watching a game or something and she said like jack what um what position what position are you again i was like she's gone off and she was like oh what number is that and i was like number nine she was like ah that's not what i thought it was so um i'm not really sure she knew what i like got up to and then and then she went on a year abroad, so she never watched any games. So, like, I don't really... I think this is probably, like, the first year she's actually probably understands what, um, <laughs> what I actually do for a living. Um, oh, bless her. She, she's trying, I'm sure. Bless her. Yeah. <laughs> nah, she's good, mate, because it's not, like... It's probably not that fun to be a rugby player's girlfriend, to be brutally honest. Because um, we have no... Like, if you're playing, you get no weekends. You know, you get you get time off when the other person's working. Holidays are only a thing until you're on that plane. Like you can be pretty much up and you can book a holiday and you can be injured two days before and you're you're not going on that holiday. So, you know, she to be fair to her, she is she's yeah, well, she's, she's amazing. She's amazing with it. So yeah, well, fair play. Yeah, well, well, well done for you and particularly her for for persisting with you. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> <laughs> resistance beats resistance. Like, oh no, wrong way around. Anyway, crack on. <laughs> um, well, moving on from that, is there is there um, a bunch of like single lads at the Chiefs? So they'll always most people kind of tie it down in relationships. <laughs> nah, it's it's probably more relationship heavy at the moment. Uh, it kind of goes through cycles. Um, like when I first joined, like everyone was single. So when I was eighteen, like every, yeah. pretty much when I was eighteen to twenty, like everyone was single. Sort of like the thought of having a girlfriend was not really there. So, um, but now, now, um, sort of that like core group has probably got a bit older, and they're twenty six, twenty seven, and they're kind of they're getting girlfriends and uh, moving in. So nah, there's not too many. There's a few lingering about, like Sam Hill, Pete Laverick. So <laughs> those, those are still. You know they're keeping yeah. the flag raised. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, not, not too many, mate. 
And, uh, well, me and you, we're, we're, we're video calling here, but I'm sure all our, all our listeners won't be able to see. And I, I can see you've got a very respectable haircut and beard going on at the moment, whereas I've seen a few. At <laughs> the uh, moment. I've, I've seen a few videos and stuff on social media of some of the Chiefs guys um, having sort of unique styles of hair. And I seem to start trends of shaving their heads or getting mullets and the, the amount of mullets which was out of the students I saw back in Exeter after a few of the chief boys got them. Um, so, well, how, how, does all, how does this bizarre way of treating your hair kind of come about? In the, it seems like the chiefs have got a reputation. I don't know how it comes about. I think it's more just that it's just a very unique bunch of lads. Um, <laughs> yeah, who are yeah. just, I mean, that's the best way to describe it. As you know, like it's 52 boys in a in a you know in that in, in an environment where you see each other every day it, you know it's funny things do you know funny things do happen the mullets are the mullets are the best mate i was i was thinking of getting one in this lockdown but i probably shouldn't if i'm working for dad i'm not i'm not sure how long i'll be working there for if i had a mullet so so, so, so that would be your next haircut if you're gonna do one i reckon so i shaved it a couple of years ago when i was uh i was on a a boat in Croatia with um, a mixture of rugby mates and schoolmates, and um, shaved it. We got a lad called Harrison Cully. We both shaved it, and that was that was a pretty terrible mistake. So, <laughs> um, I'm trying to grow this beard now, and it's been well, it's been like five weeks, and like, the listeners won't be able to see it. But it's pathetic, mate. It's so bad. It's like actually just just like irritating now, but. Yeah, I've said uh, I'd grow it for the whole of lockdown, not really realising how probably big lockdown would be. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, I'll probably recommend if uh, next time cameras on you, if the if the season does yeah. recommence, maybe <laughs> see the stage, <laughs> but potentially, uh, yeah, I think. And you the know, mullet, you know. Oh, nah, no, oh, I the mullet's fine, but the beard's questionable, I reckon. <laughs> um, <Fair enough>. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think yeah. Thanks for your time today, Jack. But our final question um, at the S word is to basically do you have anyone in mind who the listeners may may be interested to hear their story who would be another good podcast guest and hopefully we'll be able to get them on in the coming weeks Dormy Dom Bess is I reckon would be a good one he's been uh, he's been probably the best mate of mine since we were about eight years old so and we lived with, I lived with him for a few years so he's got some very funny stories of us growing up but he's obviously he's done really well with England and Somerset uh, pushing on after you know he got a cap a couple of years ago and he's now come back and did really well. Yeah, well, well, yeah. Fing- fingers get crossed we'll get him on. But anyway, yeah, thanks for your time today, Jack. And um, cheers, mate. And good yeah. to see you again. And good luck with everything. Yeah, see you later. Yeah, best you. Stay safe. So at this part of the podcast, we like to reflect and look back on the members' articles that have been sent in to us. Firstly, thank you very much for them. And we also like to look at the S athletes. So to begin, we're going to look at Oren McNulty, the Irish fullback for the under-20 squad. Archie, what were your thoughts on his article? I really enjoyed it because he's got, he had a fascinating story how obviously he was brought up in England um, and but chose to go down the Irish route um, due to the various opportunities going on there. Do you think that's a good decision? Would you have chosen Ireland over England? I think... In hindsight, for him, it does seem like the right decision because he's playing for Ireland under-20s at the moment. But even though full-back's a very competitive position in the Ireland team with the likes of Lama involved, he would definitely be hoping for, to potentially be picked for the um, 2023 World Cup in France. I think, in hindsight, I think the decision's been great, whereas a lot of professionals have said how it's more difficult to 
make that international step up in the in the English world just because there's so many more clubs. I mean, thinking the likes of Sam Skinner playing for the Exeter Chiefs, uh, one of Jack's um, Jack's teammates, he went down the Scottish route and has since been starting for the Scottish team. You touched yeah. upon the World Cup 2023. That's actually very interesting because as you'll read in his future plan, he was meant to be in Italy this summer playing in the Junior World Cup. However, this was cancelled due to Corona. So do you reckon there's a clear path there for him to the 2023? I think so. He's just got to just, he's still incredibly young. So as long as you keep racking up the experience um, on the Ireland age group levels, um, but also at club level, and um, it's a long way away and he'll be at an optimum age um, in his mid-20s for the next World Cup. So fingers crossed for him. And yeah, thanks, Oren, for the article. And it was a really good insight into, into your career so far. And then we also had an article from Jack Gow of the GB Skier. Um, what do you think about that, that, Roy? Did you know much about the professional skiing world beforehand? I, I didn't. So Jack Jack's actually a good friend of mine. And I mean, I definitely didn't know that as much as I do now about the whole downhill and SG World Cup circuit. I find it very interesting to see all the preparation that goes in to potentially not the biggest and advertised sport in the world, but it's by no means least a great sport. And I've, I'd, you know, ask any of our followers to go onto the website and just have a look at the pictures. And that, if that doesn't get you gripped, I don't know what will. I think skiing is one of those things which we really, it's a, it's a sport which we really want to highlight on the S because it doesn't get that massive media coverage. But as Jack mentions in his article, he's the amount of sacrifices he's made to be where he is today. And even though it's not massively financially rewarding um, and it doesn't get the most publicity, the amount of hard work and risk which goes into being a professional sportsman in the sport of skiing is massive. So um, really, really interesting insight and um, looking forward to hopefully publishing some more similar articles for you in the coming weeks. I mean, if you look at Jack, he's, he is the British champion. He's the United States of America champion or has been. He was the Junior World Cup champion and he's also the South American Cup champion. So all the best to Jack and let's hope for some future good results. Yeah, best of luck to him. And we also we also had a double double trouble from the Hanbury brothers, both writing two articles on cricket. One of them, Zandi writing his um, starting eleven for the first test of the Ashes tour down under next uh, next winter, and then Freddie writing his eleven for this year's T Twenty World Cup, which fingers crossed is scheduled for October. Fingers crossed that um, it will still go ahead, which it looks likely, but we never know in this environment. So, what what did you think about the selections? Are you excited for? The, the T20 World Cup, the Ashes, which one's standing out most for you? For the Ashes, I'm, I, I prefer the longer form of the game, personally. Yeah. And, I mean, looking at his squad, which he'd take down under, I think he's very heavily reliant on the, on the batsman getting the runs. I would potentially like to take away some of that risk and have seven and eight a bit more batsman focused, uh, potentially by adding Sam Curran, who's a potentially more all-rounder, but however, I would also add Jimmy Anderson to the team. I think Jimmy Anderson is a, is a must, and he he's got to be on the plane. Yeah, there was a couple of comments in well in the comment section about Jimmy Anderson being excluded, and I I am actually in favour of Zandi of excluding him because he didn't have a great tour down under last time. His his record in on in Australia is actually not very good at all. His, his stats just abroad in, in, in total compared to England they're massively different and I think you've got to save him it's a relentless tour over to Australia for five test matches during the Christmas period over New Year and I think if he's going to if we're going to get the most out of him he's, if he's going to play to 40 like he wants to play 
um, I think we save him for those tests in England because that's where he thrives. And um, we want to see, hopefully, blood some of these younger players coming through. And I think he included Ollie Stone in, in at number eight, who's a very fast, fast young bowler. Um, so I agree with that. What would your thoughts be on Chris Wokes? I'm a massive Chris Wokes fan. I think he's very useful with the bat and bowling-wise. When he's, when, he's, when he's bowling well, he can bowl up to 90 miles an hour with a bit of natural swing as well. So I'll, I'll... Really, he's a must. He can bat and he can bowl. I mean, seems a pretty good player to have. Yeah, I think, yeah, he, he would. Would you prefer him to Sam Curran then? Because they say it's either, it's either one or the other. Maybe Chris Wokes slightly taller, gets a little bit more bounce off the hard Aussie pitches come into play yeah I think Sam, Sam yeah. Curran's just got the he's got the left arm variation on his side doesn't he but I think it if you're going to look have a left arm in team I agree um, uh, I, just, I just feel if, if Sam Curran's bowling up yeah potentially the early 80s because he's a very effective bowler when the ball is swinging like as, as effective as you can get but is the ball swinging out in out of the gabba um, it's not not notoriously. Hey, and this is what we want. We want controversy and we want opinions. So, you know, if you guys, if you followers out there have any opinions on who should be selected, please get in contact, put them on, put them on the comment section of the article and let, let's debate. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We've got a lot of big plans to release to you over the next couple of days and weeks. So um, please stay tuned. Like our Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and we've just got Twitter as well. So please log into and connect with all of those to stay updated with all our latest releases and uh, make sure you become a member on the S word website itself to make sure you don't miss any articles, interviews and podcasts we do in the future. But thanks for listening and um, speak safe. to you soon. Stay safe out there. Bye bye. It's going to be on Man and Gatto. Gatto's going to push for two. They've got to go. It's got to throw. He's got to go to the keeper's end. 